Hello, beloved children of God. I'm Grace Seaman, and you're listening to Catholic in College, a podcast to encourage college students that we're not alone in practicing our faith, even in the midst of a secular college culture. Today, I'm speaking with Hillsdale alum, Emily O'Gara, and we're going to be talking about the virtue of modesty in dress, in speech, and in all aspects of life. Emily, welcome to the podcast. Hi, Grace. Thank you for having me here. Of course. I'm super excited to talk about modesty with you. Uh, This has actually been kind of a highly requested topic, which surprised me. I didn't think people would like want to hear, I don't know, how to practice it. I feel like this can be somewhat of a sensitive thing. At least I remember like hearing modesty talks in high school and then hearing a lot of complaints after that. So I don't know, what has your experience been learning about modesty and was that something you learned more from? The talks because you like you also went to catholic school pious yeah. <laughs> and um yeah was that something you learned from talks or was it more from the people around you who set like a good example um i think it would probably be more from the people uh my mom loves fashion she's really into textiles and so it was always something more of like a conversation between that of just learning how to dress modestly um the talks are fine i think it can kind of be part of that purity culture though which is not necessarily healthy for people um Mm. so the whole idea of like bodies are bad or like you have to cover everything with a burlap sack and they don't (laughs) say that but that's kind of what they they are telling you Mm. with like women if you show your wrists like ah it's like (laughs) no 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 like your wrists are fine your wrists are beautiful um but like our clothing is really important and my mom has been really helpful in that aspect of like kind of helping me come into the mindset that just because it's long doesn't mean it's modest Mm -hmm. and just because it's short not like scandalously short but like if it touches your knees like that's not a bad thing like Mm. you don't have to have a dress that's like dragging on the ground because maybe it's not highlighting the beauty that you have as a woman so like you just have to walk that line um and so talking to my mom watching my cousins, um, learning from them. I went to Hillsdale, which um, it was a really wonderful place for uh, fashion, just coming to understand like that was a beautiful long skirt and it really accented the beauty of this woman and that was a long skirt and it didn't really accent how beautiful she was. Um, So just kind of like watching people and learning from people that way. Hmm. Yeah, it's also kind of a funny time to be doing this. And I think this is what I want to emphasize with like what modesty actually is. When we hear that word, we automatically think of like, oh, they're just talking about clothing. And for women, it's like, okay, they're just going to call me out for the clothing I'm wearing. But I just, yeah, I want us in our conversation to define what modesty is and make sure everyone knows that it's not just for young women like Mm -hmm. it's for your entire life for both men and women and it's not just about the clothes that you're wearing uh so even though this episode is coming out in winter modesty is a year-round thing (laughs) yeah it is yeah so go ahead and let's define what the virtue is i have um like the catechism paragraph pulled up yeah but if you have a different definition or how you you think of it yeah if you want to read your um catechism definition and then i can give my little summary um yeah just like parsing it out yeah absolutely yes okay so this is from the catechism paragraph 
how do you how do you say paragraph numbers like two five two one? Yeah, paragraph, let's go for that. Paragraph two thousand five hundred twenty one. Um, purity requires modesty, an integral part of temperance. Modesty protects the intimate center of the person. It means refusing to unveil what should remain hidden. It is ordered to chastity, to whose sensitivity it bears witness. It guides how one looks at others and behaves towards them in conformity with the dignity of persons and their solidarity. Yeah. Great. I love how that didn't didn't mention clothes at all. No. Yeah. I So reading that, I underlined that it means refusing to unveil what should remain hidden. Um, and so my little parsing out of modesty is just respect for the beauty of oneself and of others in all aspects of being, not just in clothing. So it's like, modesty in talk, modesty in laughter, in thought, um, in clothing, sure, in look, in just like interactions with people because it's that refusal to expose the entirety of your being when it is not appropriate. Um, so JP2, when he was Carol Oitia, wrote in Love and Responsibility about shame, which we hear about shame and we're like, oh, this is bad. Like shame is a bad thing. I don't want to feel shame. But there's a positive and there's a negative side. And in shame, the positive shame is like, it's when something hidden becomes revealed, but it's like positive shame is, my best example that I can think of is when you love someone and you know those beginning stages where you have a crush and you're like, oh my goodness, I can't let them know, I can't let them know. And if they find out, like you feel a little bit of shame but there's nothing bad with that love being known, being unveiled, being revealed. Um, right. Especially, yeah. it's especially shameful if like somebody else tells them. Mm -hmm. it's, you're like, I wasn't ready for that. Yeah. This is not the time. Yeah. <laughs> so it's like that same way with modesty where the the beauty of laughter is is a good thing. But if it is not appropriate to be laughing or the reason that you're laughing is to draw attention to yourself or to like, cause conflict or something like that then that laughter even though laughter in and of itself is good it is a bad thing yeah mm. i see this paragraph and like it sticks out to me that modesty is more about the internal mm -hmm. and how like it manifests externally so like it's more about humility and the disposition of heart that we have. Like, if you think of another application of how modest is used, it's usually about, like, someone who doesn't really brag. Like, um, someone trying to downplay their accomplishments and someone else is like, oh, you're so modest. Like, mm -hmm. yeah, it's a form of humility. And... Um, I don't have an end to this thought, but <laughs> no, but I think that is important of humility is not saying that I am worthless, but it's understanding your worth, but not pushing it in other people's faces. And that's the same thing with modesty of like understanding I'm a beautiful woman, but I don't need to walk around in like a bathing suit all the time to show off how beautiful I am. It's actually more honoring to my beauty to walk around in like jeans and a sweatshirt and be like, wow, look it. I'm still a beautiful woman, but I don't have to show the whole world that. And it's somewhat re also related to like, it is related to chastity mm -hmm. um, and similar to chastity in the way that like 
you practice chastity your whole life in whatever vocation you're in. Um, And modesty is one of these, like, I guess it's doing what's appropriate for the situation type virtues. Mm -hmm. And that's not relativism. That's just, like, a matter of prudence. Mm -hmm. So what you wear to, like, I don't know, your basketball game, you're not going to wear your high heels and whatever. Like, that would not be appropriate for the situation. Or if you are like in conversation, what you share with other people might look different depending on like who you're talking to. Mm -hmm. If you're talking with your parents, if you're talking with a stranger, yes, avoid stranger danger. Like don't share your life story with strangers. Yeah, it's just kind of basing it off of the situation. Mm -hmm. No, and that intentionality too of just understanding that of, Like, why do I want to tell this story right now? Like, what am I looking for in the other person's reaction? Why do I want to, I don't know, wear this particular outfit? Why do I want to say this particular thing? Is it to glory and like honor God or is it to draw attention to myself? Is it to make my ego larger? Is it to say like, well, no, I'm so wonderful. Like, don't we all see this? Or is it like, wow, isn't God great? Like, look at what he did in my life. Isn't that amazing? Hmm. what area of modesty has taken like the most practice for you Mm -hmm. yeah i think it's definitely like modesty in speech and laughter i have a really bad habit when i get panicked to laugh really loud and it's usually like oh my goodness this person is so funny this person is so great i really want them to pay attention to me and so i'll just get really really loud (laughs) which is not like everyone else is probably like not thinking, wow, Emily, you're so immodest, but I know why I'm doing it. And so it's been working on like, it's okay not to be seen. It's okay not to be heard. And I was I was reading a little bit of the rule of St. Benedict and he kind of talks about this too, of like, it's okay, even if there's a good thing to be said, not to say it. And so that is an aspect of modesty of like, it might be appropriate in the situation to say something but it would be better for me as a person and as a Christian to hold my tongue and like practice that type of prudence and temperance of like, I don't have to speak right now. Like these words are good, but they don't have to be said. And no one's going to be hurt because of that. That guideline reminds me of like the litany of humility. Mm-hmm. I mean, the entire litany of humility covers this, but especially towards the end when the response to it is, Jesus, grant me the grace to desire it, mm-hmm. uh, that others may be loved more than I, that others may be esteemed more than I, that in the opinion of the world, others may increase and I may decrease, that others may be chosen and I set aside, that others may be praised and I go unnoticed, that others may be preferred to me in everything. And this last one is always like kind of a gut punch to mm-hmm. me that others may become holier than I, provided that I may become as holy as I should. Yeah, that's that's really intense humility. Yeah, yeah, where you're like understanding that if that is a St. Therese across the table from me, then I want her to be the next St. Therese. And if I'm only like St. Therese's best friend that we never heard of in, <laughs> in the story of a soul, 
then great. Then you were St. Therese's best friend that no one knows of because you're probably in heaven because you were best friends with the saint. So Mm. yeah, like why would you not want to be best friends with St. Therese? Have you heard the story of the nuns who were, okay, I'm I'm just going to tell you because for people who are listening, maybe they haven't heard it. Um, I'm failing to remember what country it was, but there was some like convent of nuns and I don't know why, but they had like unmarked graves because like their, their charism, I think their charism was humility or like they really wanted to emphasize humility. And so unmarked graves for some reason, um, they might've been like moving the cemetery, like relocating something like that, but they dug up a lot of these graves and found that a lot of their bodies were incorrupt, but they did not know like who they were. And that's so incredible to me that like, even after death, they were still practicing that humility mm-hmm. that those women are saints and we don't even know who they are yeah yeah i'd love to meet them i hope i get to heaven just so i can meet them <laughs> yeah. and there's just so many of those souls where it's like they just did their little daily duty and we'll never have a feast day for them or like a special set aside feast day for them but when you get to heaven it'll be like oh no i understand why like you just lived a simple life and that was that was what Jesus needed you to do. Yeah. And what you were saying with like St. Therese's best friend, like all these martyrs who it's like the two main people and companions, mm-hmm. like maybe you're just meant to be the companion. Yeah. Um, Getting back to modesty, though, I think the area that I have struggled with has also been with speech and just choosing what amount to share, because there are like times in my life where it's been I don't share anything Mm -hmm. and that's also a problem of like um, when I was in Bible study with Madeline Frick we talked about the virtue of femininity and um, all virtues have a vice that is the excess or a deficiency Mm -hmm. and the deficiency of femininity is a woman who is like very cold and like a fortress and doesn't empathize and I relate to that woman. I think that's what I struggled with was like not being able to open myself up to really anyone. Um, And then at other times it's been like, especially like working at the front desk of Newman, Mm -hmm. it's a hard call of like, do I have this conversation right now when like everyone can hear it? But yeah, that is something that I still probably need to work on, but Do you have any advice for, like, who should I tell what to in order to be the most modest? Mm -hmm. Yeah, since I also kind of struggle with, like, modesty in in speech, um, I struggle with this. I I tend to be a little bit more private with, like, those really important conversations. So I also worked a front desk job in a sense. I worked in a coffee shop and – It was always a struggle of like, I want to meet and see and talk to every single person and connect with every single person, but also understanding like they have a busy life. So like saying hi might be sufficient in this situation. Um, And with other situations of like, I was an RA for a while. And so it was definitely learning how to draw that line of like, I need to talk to this girl, but I don't want to call her out in the moment. 
pull her aside and then bring her back into the situation because that is clearly going to show like something's up. So it was just learning to be like, how does this naturally flow? How does this naturally go? Like a teaching moment for both of us um, and a learning moment for both of us. So it wasn't like I'm calling you out and you're like receiving this this um, chastisement, but like we're just going to talk. We're just going to learn and like try and love each other through that. So yeah, I think I've been learning of like just to think when I'm just thinking about modesty in general, like who does this love? Like who does this sentence love? Who does this action love? What do like these clothings, do they, these clothings, <laughs> these these dresses, these skirts, are they helping me love God? Are they helping me, me love my friends? Or are they just helping me love myself, which can very easily turn into like bad self-love versus like good self-love of like oh I'm beautiful that's great but it's like oh my goodness like everyone should be looking at me that's bad (laughs) self-love yeah yeah we don't want to make ourselves into idols Mm -hmm. we want to do our best to present ourselves as icons Mm -hmm. another part of what the catechism says about like refusing to unveil what should remain hidden I was thinking about this um in terms of going to God first with everything. Mm -hmm. And it just made sense to me when I thought of like the bride who walks down the aisle and she's wearing a veil. And I don't know if a lot of people do this tradition anymore, but like father walks his daughter down the aisle right before he gives her away. He like lifts up the veil. And that struck me that like, oh, like the father is standing in for God the father and he is the one who brings us to whomever we're supposed to like spend the rest of our life with. And in that moment, he is the one who unveils us. Like we do not unveil ourselves. Mm -hmm. And I think this can be applied in like whatever point in your life, not just um, right before like getting married, but asking did I go to prayer? Did I ask for consolation in prayer? Or am I seeking that in other people? Mm -hmm. That's been a big thing for me lately is like (laughs) making sure to go to Jesus first uh, for consolation. No, I definitely think that's smart. And like something that slips my mind all the time where you're like, I just need to tell someone. I just need to tell someone. It's like, well, tell Jesus. Like he saw you do it, but also just tell him. Like he wants to hear it in your words too. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, sometimes I'll go to Annie for advice and she pretty much tells me the same thing every time. She's just like, did you pray about it? And I'm like, I will. (laughs) Yep, yep, I understand that. (laughs) Yeah, always good just to get a little reminder maybe. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So we covered kind of like emotional modesty relating to speech and laughter. I wasn't expecting us to talk about laughter and that's really funny but anyways um so what are i'm even hesitate i'm hesitant to talk about clothing but i want to i think it's i think it's good i think it's helpful to talk about because it is part of it it's just not all of it um Mm -hmm. What are the ways that you have learned 
to dress modestly. Yeah, so growing up, going to Catholic school, uh, fashion was a late developing kind of thing. I remember going to college for the first time. I'm like, I have no clothing and I don't know what to do. Like, this is really difficult. Mm -hmm. Um, But I think it was also good that that happened because like grade school, you can walk around in t-shirts and shorts and no one's going to be like, what's going on? Like, what's wrong with you? But as an adult, I had more of an opinion and more of an understanding of life and fashion and beauty. And I already had that modesty developed through going to a Catholic school, through having my mom, like, help me figure out fashion. Um, So I think it was just understanding, like, femininity and how to dress appropriate to that femininity. And so um, I wore a lot of, like, really big flowy skirts, and I don't think there's anything wrong with that. Um, I don't think there's anything, like, it's not like, wow, that was the proper thing to do versus improper, but, like, that was how I expressed femininity. I had a pixie cut at the time, so that's really how I expressed femininity, like lots of dresses and lots of things like that. And it was mostly just like, just trying to understand like, yes, I could roll out of bed in a pair of sweatpants and a sweatshirt, um, but I just wouldn't feel prepared for the day. It's kind of that, that's something private and I'm about to go into a public sphere. um, So I should be dressing appropriately to show like who I am. Like I'm a person who takes my studies seriously I have a job, so I'm going to look professional for the job that I'm going to after class. I'm also active, so like I'm not going to be walking around in a prom dress, Mm -hmm. um, but I'm going to be walking around so that if I'm crossing the street and someone's like, hey, we're going to go play volleyball, it's like, give me 15 seconds, I can grab like a pair of shoes, like, and we can, we can go play volleyball. Um, So it was just modesty and understanding my situation in life of wearing running shorts all day, every day wouldn't be modest for sitting in classroom with my male classmates because like running shorts are great when you're running but when you sit down they kind of like ride up a little bit and that's not always appropriate for your poor male companions Mm -hmm. um but and it's honestly comfortable yes it's not comfortable I like reflect on this and when I'm wearing a skirt that I don't have to keep like Mm -hmm. let me just keep this at the level of my knees when I'm sitting when I don't have to worry about that or like pulling up my shirt to make sure my neckline is appropriate when I don't have to like fiddle with it I'm Mm -hmm. much more comfortable like for myself so modesty (laughs) allows freedom yeah for whoever is like wearing the appropriate clothing and also for the people that are looking at someone wearing that clothing. Yeah, no, I completely agree. But yes, um, you mentioned like being in class and this reminded me that like on a college campus, the typical dress isn't necessarily um, like, it's very different than it was a long time ago. Like I, for my film class, I watched a couple movies that like take place at college and they're from like the 1920s it's from the silent film era so way back in the day and they're all wearing like blazers and like really nice clothes because we're going to college and I I don't think we do that anymore like some students especially after COVID having like online classes and that's like the expectation of I can go to class in my pajamas and (laughs) I remember on one of my Zoom classes, there was literally a guy who was just like under his covers 
in class and we're like, well, he is here. Mm-hmm. That's good. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, that the common clothing is more often just like casual. So, I mean, do you have any opinion on like, sh- should we put in the effort to, I don't know, we don't have to, we also don't have to wear like the blazers and like that kind of stuff every day. But do you think there's a certain amount of effort that needs to be put in when we're going out in public, when we're going to class? Opinions on this? Yeah, I definitely think just out of respect for our professors and our teachers, um, I would feel extremely disrespectful if I like just came in in sweatpants um, just because I know that they're putting in so much time and effort like they pursued a really high level of education. They're like dedicating their lives to this and they're trying to get us to engage. And if I walk in looking like I'm still asleep, it just shows that I'm not engaged. And so that's why I wouldn't wear sweatpants. Um, If I was like on a sports team and I had practice right away, it's like, no, totally fine that you're wearing sweatpants because you you have a crazy busy schedule. Um, But But if you can. But if you can. Showing that respect. Is a very good thing. Yeah, yeah. Of just like saying, I respect you who is teaching me and I respect my fellow classmates that I'm going to be participating, that I'm going to be trying to help help you learn in this situation as well. I'm not just here to take the notes and pass the test. Sometimes I am, but we'll pretend like that's not the case. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, I think when... Before we were recording, like, we were talking about this and um, you were like, modesty doesn't equal frumpiness. So, like, we don't have to wear super baggy clothes or, like, garbage bags and put something over our heads. Like, that isn't modest. Mm -mm. And that's exactly what modesty is aimed at, is, like, revealing the whole person and, like, aimed at respecting the dignity of the whole person and not just focusing on like a specific part like I'm not just latching on to this funny story and like idolizing you as just like the funniest person ever and I'm not focused on like this part of your body and only like using that for my own pleasure but like seeing all of that goodness and that beauty and realizing this comes from God. So I just like when you were repeating that back of like modesty does not mean frumpiness. We don't have to walk around in burlap sacks. The image that came to mind is just the Marian sisters because they are extremely modest because they're religious sisters, but they're also beautiful. Like whenever I see a Marian sister, I'm like, look at that beautiful woman. Like I just want to be her best friend because she is what she is in that habit. She shows who she is, that she is the bride of Christ, um, and that the simplicity of her outfit also shows, like, the simplicity of her soul and her love for God, of, like, she's she's ready to work. She's ready to teach kindergartners if she's a kindergarten teacher. She's ready to run across the field after their guinea hens. She's ready to, like, help in the kitchen, but she's already, she's also ready to just walk into church and she doesn't need to change. She doesn't need to do anything because she's she's already prepared. Um, and that type of modesty we should be able to do 
in our dress as well of like, okay, I can go to class. I can go to the grocery store. I can go to my job. But then if there is time or if this is part of my schedule, I can walk into church and be ready. I don't have to like run home real quick and like change out of my sweatpants because that's not a, like appropriate for mass. Um, and I don't have to like worry about that constantly. I'm like, nope, I'm just ready to walk in and see God. Yes, this is exactly what I figured out when um, as part of like the college schedule, especially if you live like off campus, for me, when I come to campus, I'm like, I'm going to be here all day until I go home. I'm not going to try to like run home quick and come back. So I have to keep in mind, like I'm going to mass at 530. So it's kind of like planning your whole day around the fact that you're going to mass and being ready, like you said, just to walk into church and be wearing what is appropriate for church. Um, And another thing that I wanted to bring up in this episode is the practice of veiling, which is something that we both do. And I, um, yeah, I just wanted to ask, like, what's your experience with it? Um, I don't know if you know this, but like, you were one of the people that inspired me to start veiling, just like, not anything you told me, but just like witnessing you doing it. So when did you start veiling? I started veiling um, like August of 2020. Um, I had been wanting to veil for a while, but I was never bold enough to do it. I was like, I'm going to come home and they're going to be like, why are you wearing a scarf? Because I didn't have a veil. I literally only had a scarf. I would bring the same scarf home every break. I'm like, this is the time. I'm going to start doing it. I'm going to do it. And then I'd be like, oh, I don't know what to do. Um, So beginning of, so March of 2020, I went home for the spring break that never ended (laughs) with this scarf. And I was like, great. I'll wear it to mass. And then we weren't allowed to go to mass because it was COVID. Um, And then I moved back to Hillsdale after finishing up classes because I had a job there and I was able to live there and work. Um, And mass was open, but like the the church in Hillsdale has very limited hours. So I was like, I need to be able to pray. And there's um, a verse that stood out to me and it just – it started changing my mindset, but it's Matthew 6, 6, and it's, but when you pray, go into your inner room, close the door, and pray to our Father in secret, and your Father who sees in secret will repay you. And I was like, I don't have an inner room. I live in a dorm, and I live with roommates. So what is my inner room? And I'm like, putting on this veil of like, reminding myself, where am I? What am I doing? Who am I talking to right now? And I can do that anywhere because when I go into church, there's no inner room. It's me and a bunch of other people in the pew. But if I can close the door on the world by putting on my veil, maybe that will help me just like talk to God better, sit with him easier. Um, And so I started veiling when I would pray in the morning and pray in the evening. And then I went to my first Latin mass and I was like, all right, this is the time to do it. Just do it. And so I wore this scarf. I wore this big blue scarf and it was so just like the opposite of what I wanted to do while veiling, which is not draw attention to myself. Um, So it's just me walking around with this blue scarf on my head, but it worked. And then um, my scarf, my veil that I now wear is my grandmother's. 
Um, so I asked my mom if she could find it or ask around and see if she could find it with any of her sisters. And we luckily found it. And so I've been wearing that one since August of 2020. Wow, that's, that's so beautiful. I think my, my story with veiling, the reason that I wear it has more to do with like, with Jesus affirming my own beauty and realizing that like, um, yeah, it is something that I do completely out of humility and like a, um, a true sense of humility, not in like, I am worthless, but like, I am worth, um, I am worth doing this practice, I guess. Mm -hmm. And so, yeah, I just noticed like on the altar and in the tabernacle, we veil beautiful things. Mm -hmm. We veil sacred things. And um, throughout this past summer, when I was on my dating fast, just like a constant cry of my heart, just like, Jesus, affirm my beauty, please. <laughs> and like, and going to Latin mass and seeing all the other women who are veiled. And of course, like I had the option to do that the whole time because they have like the basket of veils out there. But I was like, I don't just want to do it because everyone else is. Mm -hmm. I don't like, I'm not just trying to fit in here. Um, and it, it really was like, um, believing that I was worth veiling, I suppose, that like when I go to worship, it doesn't have to be, it's not about me. Mm -hmm. um, and so, yeah, I, I wear it for that reason. Um, it's also a good reminder that we are like brides mm -hmm. of Christ during the worship. Like, the whole church is the bride of Christ and we go to receive him in the Eucharist. And so the veil is something that we wear at a wedding and we are participating in the wedding feast. So uh, women specifically wear the veil. That's like, like not everyone wears the veil, but like women specifically uh, take on that like receptive role of the church and of Mary, Mary wore a veil. And so, yeah, just like, for all of those reasons, I was like, this is a really beautiful tradition that I would like to start practicing. And it was definitely like also nerve wracking for me to like bring that to Newman where it's not mm -hmm. the normal thing that people do. And I remember like the first day I did it, I was like, Emily, can I sit by you when I wear this? <laughs> and you were good about like, yes, yes, you can sit by me. Yeah. So that was definitely helpful. How do you find that uh, veiling helps with the practice of modesty and also having this like receptive and humble disposition? Mm -hmm. You were kind of talking about that on um, the veiling of the most beautiful objects. So Alice Van, Von Hildebrandt, um, I can't remember. It was her Socrates in the City and she was just talking about one of the books she had written or one of the books that her husband had written, but her quote that always sticks out to me is, um, and of course now I forget it. Oh goodness. No. Um, <laughs> Alice von Hildebrandt is such a spunky, was such a spunky woman and just so fierce. And she fought so hard against Simone de Beauvoir 
and like the feminist movement and she's like when we when you take away the veil from the women like we remove their glory and their beauty of like we veil the most precious things um and women are so precious to god our father um he loves his little daughters and i think veiling has just helped me with that and with receptivity in communion of i get really stressed out when i'm in front of a lot of people um and like going up to communion especially when there's not a communion rail can just be like i'm just so overwhelmed with all the moving pieces and i just can't think about it and this is like the most important moment of my day i should be only focused on the eucharist but i'm just like so freaked out about like is this person gonna try and get in my line and like is (laughs) father gonna like run out a host and like i don't know like i just panic um but like wearing the veil is like okay your little bride is walking down the altar aisle walking down the aisle to the altar your little bride just needs a little bit of help can you just take care of her like just being able to remember that like what is what is he seeing and how do I see myself and when I kneel there at the communion rail or if it's like there's not a communion rail it's, it's still that like slow down take a second remember what you're doing don't get caught up in the moment just remember like you are about to receive your love and you are you are you are veiled like a bride. So just don't panic. Don't worry. Just let it happen. Just receive him. Just receive his love. Um, and it's helped a lot. It's really taken a lot of that anxiety out of going up to communion. And it's just helped me like coming back. Like I have received the love of my heart and now he's in my heart. And now I can just talk to him like a bride with her groom. Uh, so that's, that's been really helpful. And like, there's also been a lot of other shifts, so it's not like, if you put on a veil, this is immediately going to happen, but it has helped me in that aspect. What I noticed about, like, when I started veiling is it was over the summer, and I would, like, bike down to work occasionally. So uh, there was one day where I was like, okay, I've started this practice of veiling, and I'm wearing the shorts and t-shirt that I biked down in, and I'm going to mass, and I'm wearing a veil, but I'm... <sighs> like wearing shorts and a t-shirt and it just like there is this contrast between like what I was wearing on my head versus like the rest of what I was wearing and I was like it just signaled to me that like I needed to dress for the occasion Mm -hmm. like that veil is just like such it was such a good reminder that I'm a bride. I am participating in the wedding feast. Um, You know that verse where um, Jesus is, the the parable where Jesus is talking about everyone he invited to the wedding feast and it's like, they're not coming. So it's like, okay, go out in the streets and invite people. And this man shows up who's not dressed for the feast. And he gets like reprimanded. Like, why did you not show up with like wedding garments on? And that's kind of how I felt that, like, I had come unprepared. So, yeah, it helps me, um, again, focus on the Mass as, like, this is the high point of my day, and I'm dressing for this, and I'm dressing to match um, what I'm wearing on my head. Like, I'm dressing in a beautiful but also veiled way, Mm -hmm. like, in the rest of my body. Mm Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, that's kind of 
how it went for me. <laughs> yeah, no, and I completely understand of like there can be that disconnect if you're like, I think it would feel bizarre to wear a veil and a pair of gym shorts. Or I was out, um, I worked for Focus a couple summers ago and we went camping and I was like, I'm not going to bring my lace veil out to the middle of nowhere, Colorado. That would be disastrous. Um, but like putting on a bandana, like still veiling, but like understanding like the purpose and like the modesty of the situation. Mm. Um, but if I just like wore a bandana to mess because I'm like, oh, I don't really want to put on my, my veil veil. It's like, okay, why are you doing this? Is it for vanity of like, it would look way cuter if I just wore a bandana today. Um, it would match my outfit way more. It's like, okay, mm. is your outfit all that important? what is going on in your heart? Like, why do you want people, like, do you want people to pay attention to your outfit? You should not be paying attention to your outfit. You should be paying attention to God and you should be paying attention to mass. Yeah, it's the, it's acting and dressing in a way. Modesty is like acting and dressing in a way that doesn't draw attention to ourselves. Either in like, okay, you are, you stand out because you are like, acting or dressing in a way that's like calling attention to yourself in a good way or like I'm so fine whatever mm-hmm. or in a negative way of like where it's like I don't I'm not putting in the effort necessary for this situation right yeah right just like be classy yeah <laughs> guys gals yeah everyone yeah guys put on a nice pair of jeans don't roll in it up to church in your sweatpants like it's distracting for women kind of like how people are always like oh women we keep getting told like don't distract guys don't distract guys with what you're wearing but it's, it goes the same way of like men don't distract the women with what you're wearing like mm. dress modestly for our sakes too because we we are also we're like n- we're not immune we're not I, immune i feel like a lot of people just are like the men need help and i'm like i need help i need help i'm like <laughs> can the just, men like please wear shirts yeah <laughs> <laughs> if if like you're walking down the street, like, I can also see you. And, like, mm-hmm. it can be very distracting for all of our sakes. Yeah, I think it, it goes both ways. So, like, you see those articles online and they're like, this girl got reprimanded because her shoulders were being shown at school. Mm-hmm. But the guys are allowed to walk around in short shorts. I'm like, no, this is not how we resolve the problem by, like, letting women walk around with, like, their shoulders bared. It's tell the guys, put on longer pants. Yeah. Like, we don't. It goes back to this whole thing of like understanding the beauty of men and women. Mm -hmm. And we don't we don't respect the beauty of women by allowing them to become like men. And we don't respect the the beauty of men by allowing them to act like beasts. They have to act like men. They have to Mm -hmm. be be gentlemen. They have to dress well and respect themselves so that they can respect women and that that women will respect them. Do you have any other final thoughts with modesty, veiling? receptive disposition um um for anyone listening who's been thinking about it i think you should just try it even if it's just a random blue scarf um just do it for the for the women for the women for the women men not men like distinction of men and women Mm -hmm. um but like i think if you've been thinking about it i would give it a i would give it a try and if it's not for you don't worry. It's not like, well, you're a good Catholic or a bad Catholic because of this. It's just helping you. It has helped me love Christ better, and it maybe can help you. And then modesty in general, I don't know. Just remember, yeah, like modesty is not a thing to shame anyone in a negative sense. It's to remember and to, 
to remind us of our beauty and to honor God with that beauty. So yeah, just be careful with that. Of like, why are you dressing in a certain way? Why are you talking in a certain way? Is it honoring to God or is it honoring to yourself? Is it exalting God or is it exalting yourself? So that whole idea of like, we don't want to make ourselves idols. We want to make ourselves icons. Mm-hmm. And I think this is a really good thing to pray about like as we enter into advent and we want to make gifts of ourselves Mm -hmm. for christ and we want to prepare our hearts to receive him so modesty i think is a really good virtue that can help with that yeah definitely emily would you like to close us in a prayer yeah all right father Father, son Son, the holy Holy spirit Spirit. amen thank you lord um for this opportunity to come together and conspire to to speak together, to breathe together, and to honor you with our words. Um, Thank you for the opportunity to just understand you better in our conversation and to hopefully help other people understand you better by hearing what we discussed. Um, We just pray, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Amen. St. Clair of Assisi, pray for us. St. Hildegard von Bingen, pray for us. Father, Son, Holy Spirit, Amen. Emily, thank you so much for being here today and for sharing with us about modesty. Yeah, thank you, Grace, for having me here. Thank you for listening to this episode. Make sure to follow Catholic in College on social media and subscribe to the podcast to get notified about new episodes. Finally, remember that you're never alone in your faith. Until next episode, let's all keep striving to be open, be present, and be loved.